You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Combate Cast, presented by BetDSI. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Kalikas to break down this Friday's Combate 56 event, which takes place in Fresno, California. Nick creates the opening betting odds for Combate events, so he'll break down all nine fights for the card, providing extensive analysis and a pick for those fights after doing film study and research for the event. Combate 56 will air on TV networks Axis, Fight Network, Univision, and TUDN in Mexico this Friday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on the Combate card is a bantamweight contest between Austin Liu, who is 0-1, and Mike Tubera, who is 0-1. Now, Nick, where did you open this fight, and how has the public shifted things so far? First off, let me just say another outstanding card put together by Combate Americas. Combate 56 Fresno from top to bottom is going to be amazing, really. I mean, we were able to match all nine fights that they have with lines, so they are available widely across the globe. Make sure you check out your nearest sports book, and they probably have Combate 56 available at this point. A lot of buzz around their events. I mean, they're doing outstanding as far as viewership goes, so a lot of momentum for Combate Americas right now. So make sure you tune in this Friday night, as Brian mentioned, on Access TV, on Fight Network, on Univision, a lot of ways you could check it out, including the first few fights that are available still on Facebook. So Combate Americas 56 is going to deliver. Starting things off, we have Tubera at minus 175, the comeback on Lou at plus 145. That was my opening line. Now looking over at the Donbass screen, market price seems to be about Tubera minus 130, the comeback on Lou, even money. So more action coming in on the underdog Lou early on. I think that's actually the right way to go. This is going to be an outstanding fight. It should be pretty competitive. Uh, I know if you look at their records overall, these guys are, again, are both 0-1-1 as professionals. If you look a little bit deeper as their amateur careers. Lou's kind of a 500 fighter as an amateur. He's 5-4, and four, I believe, where Tubera's about 13-5 and five as an amateur. So he's got a little bit more overall experience in MMA, but this still should be an outstanding fight. And what my issue here with Tubera is, I mean, he's moving back up to Bantamweight after his debut loss at Flyweight. Now, as an amateur, he has fought at Bantamweight and bounced kind of back and forth a little bit, so he does have experience in both weight classes. But for me, I think he's better suited at Flyweight. I mean, he's a talented guy for sure. I think he's got a bright future ahead of him, but again, I'm not sure if Bantamweight's the right weight class for him. But overall, I mean, he does have some decent skill. He's fast on the feet, um, has some decent striking ability, likes to wrestle, likes to outgrapple his opponents as well. Um, so he's got a, put, a pretty well-rounded, uh, put-together game. He's a southpaw. So some good things to like about Tubera. I mean, he does push a high pace as well, and he's going to be in Lou's face looking for those takedowns and looking to control this fight. I just think he's going to have a tough time against Lou. I think Lou's going to be a little bit physically stronger, even though his record isn't really impressive on paper. I think he's better than his record indicates. He's actually improving with working with Team Alpha Male. I think that's never going to hurt him. I think he's getting fight uh, better fight by fight. He has the tools to be excellent, really, if you got if you think about it. I mean, he's got it all, except the problem with him typically is he gets put on his back and gets kind of outgrinded by most of his opponents. A lot of his losses have come in 
in that um, aspect. So Lou has to get better defensively with his wrestling. And I think here in this spot against Tubera, his wrestling defense is to the point where he probably can stuff a lot of the takedowns Tubera has to offer. So again, the early action coming in on Lou, I think is justified. I think people did their homework early on and they gobbled up some plus money value. So I do think that's a side. And if you're going to bet this fight, it's Lou or pass, even at the current line, honestly. Again, I opened it. I thought Tubera would be more of the public lot side. So I thought it was more of a public line for Tubera to be a minus 175. But obviously, I overgaged it a little bit and it should have been closer to what it is now um, with maybe Tubera being the slight favorite. Again, takedowns will be the difference if he wins a fight, I think, overall. But I'm actually going to pick Lou to win this fight as an underdog. It's a dog or pass situation. And I think he does probably get it done. So my pick is Lou. Now, moving up to the featherweight division, we have Brock Diaz, who is making his professional debut, and Anthony Parnum Jr., who is 0-1. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? I opened Diaz minus 335, the comeback on Parham Jr. at plus 245. And right now, what we're seeing on the Don Best screen is market price. I'm kind of giggling because this line definitely took a drop. I mean, we're seeing about a buck 60. So Diaz is around minus 160, the comeback around plus 130 on Parham Jr. Um, right now. So obviously everybody gobbling up the plus money on uh, Parham Jr. dropping from plus 245 to now around plus 130 or so. I get it. I mean, the guy is definitely impressive. If you look at uh, his resume, again, another 0-1 fighter here, but um, as an amateur, he was 7-1, I believe. And if you're looking at his fights on film, I mean, the guy's a little beast. I mean, Parham Jr. is very physically strong. I mean, he definitely likes to wrestle, and he's got a lot of problems for most fighters, I think, that he can present. I mean, he, he's usually stronger and able to outgrind his opponents. Um, and he does have a complete skill set overall as well. I mean, I like that about him. He's capable of, of pulling some subs. His stand-up's not bad. I think that's kind of his... um his weakness, though, is on, honestly on the feet. If he lands, though, he's got that powerhouse frame, so you're going to be in trouble if he connects clean. But he's more of a wrestler grinder. But again, on the feet, he does have a little bit of power, but I just don't think it's there. I think he's going to get outstruck by Diaz, honestly. I think if Diaz is able to kind of sprawl, brawl, keep uh, use his wrestling in reverse, keep this fight upright, he's going to be the better striker. And what I like about Diaz in this spot, and I, why I opened him a, a, a decent favorite, actually, is because I think he matches up well with Parham Jr. as far as wrestling goes as well. Diaz does have a wrestling background. I think Diaz is more than capable of, again, getting top position possibly on Parham if this fight hits the floor. I think he's a better grappler. I think he's a better scrambler, and I think he is better on the feet. So... I don't agree with the early action here. I think Diaz deserves to be a solid favorite in this fight. I think it's going to be competitive, but I think as the fight progresses a little bit, we're going to see that it's clear Diaz is the better fighter of the two. I mean, he's going to get tested for sure. I mean, you're, you're facing a serious prospect again in Parham Jr., and I think he's a very good fighter. So there's maybe a chance he does pull this off, and I'm wrong, and he outmuscles Diaz and outgrinds him out. I think that's his path to victory. I don't see Parham Jr. kind of finishing Diaz. He's more of a decision-type fighter, whereas Diaz is actually more of a finisher, I think, with the capabilities of obviously getting the fight on the scorecards as well. So a great matchup. I understand why the respect on Parham Jr. came in early on. I mean, at that opening line, it was kind of tempting to bet Parham Jr. That's honestly what I wanted for the sports books. I hope I'm right, but I think Diaz is going to probably get it done. So I think the action on Parham Jr., is going to be wrong here, and I'm going to pick Diaz. And under 2-1, to one, I think there's a little bit of value on Brock Diaz as well. So I'm going to side with him to win this fight. Now, sticking with the featherweight division, we have Roger Saverson, who is 3-4-1, taking on Jose Avalos, who is 4-2. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? I open Avalos minus 275, the comeback on Severson at plus 205. And right now what we're seeing across the Donbass market, a little bit of a drop. We're seeing average around minus 230, the comeback around plus 180 or so on Severson. So Avalos dropping as a favorite, uh, Severson getting a little bit of respect, which is kind of 
good to see it because, again, people are doing their homework on Combate. They're looking at the footage, and they're seeing the Severson at 3-4-1 and one as a pro is better than his current record indicates. I mean, again, another guy that has amateur experience. He's above 500, about 5-3 and three as an AMI, I believe. Um, but Avalos is pretty tough as well. I mean, I think as a pro, obviously, again, on paper, you're looking at it, and he's got a winning record. He's 4-2. and two. As an amateur, I believe he had a couple wins as well, no losses. Um, so, again, this these guys are more experienced and better than their current record indicates. Um, and it should be an interesting clash of styles here. I mean, I'm going to start off with Avalos, obviously the slight favorite here in this matchup. He does have a pretty complete skill set. Um, he works behind his lead jab well. He throws power in his right hand pretty often as well. He kind of sets everything up that way. Um, kicking is a big part of his offensive game as well. And when he gets aggressive and throws heavy leather, I mean, he mixes it up to the body and head pretty well. So he could be dangerous there, but at times he's a little bit tentative. His wrestling needs a little bit more work defensively because he can be put on his back, but he does have overall decent ground awareness. So I like that about him. Um, if he gets top position, he does have effective ground and pound and looks to pass and, and look for submissions as well. Um, so that's the thing here. I think he will look to get this to the ground as soon as possible against Severson because Severson's more of the gifted striker here in this matchup. I think he's the more of the point fighting style karate style fighter um, he's light on his feet he has really good footwork and movement he looks for his spots and attacks I mean so he's gonna I think be able to pick Avalos apart on the feet a little bit I love his clean kicking technique I mean he kind of mixes it up um, to the midsection and of course low kicks are, are nice and he can throw a quick high kick as well and be effective with it he's got really quick hands he's working on his takedown defense um, but that's still his weakness and it got him beat in his last fight as well so I mean that's kind of a clear path to victory like I said for Avalos if he can get this fight to the ground that's how he's going to win it and for Severson He's going to want to keep this fight standing, obviously, be the cleaner striker, land the cleaner shots, and do damage along the way to win this fight. So I think Avalos, obviously, in this matchup, Styles make fights, and Avalos should have the advantage because, again, it's going to be difficult for Severson to kind of get his offense going at times if Avalos is in his face looking for those takedowns and kind of making this an ugly fight. But as far as the betting window goes, again, Severson is improving, and I think this is a style of fight he can win, and he's going to be improved from his last fight. I don't think it's going to be as hard for him to stuff some of these takedowns, so I can understand why the public action early on came in on the dog. I actually, it's a dog or pass situation, so I can agree with it. I'm not betting this fight. I'm staying away from it, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it is a dog coming through here in, in Severson. I just think Avalos, personally, as far as a pick goes, he should be the favorite in this fight, so I would pick him to win this fight. He just has more ways to win it. So the pick for me is Avalos, but I'm not touching it as far as a betting standpoint goes. Now, dropping back down to the Bantamweight division, we have Shane Torres, who is and 2-0, taking on late replacement Hector Fajardo, who is 3-0. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Awesome replacement fight, honestly. I opened Torres minus 165, the comeback on Fajardo at plus 135. Let me just say right away, though, disappointed that Falcons Torres fell out. Falcons got injured, so they had to remove him from the card. That would have been an outstanding fight. I was really looking forward to that. I mean, probably the fight on the card for me, but... Fajardo is a suitable replacement, man. Again, Kamate steps up and gets a really good fight matched up at last minute. Fajardo's game, I mean, he's a well-rounded fighter, trained at Team Alpha Male. As far as the action goes, like, let me tell you this right away. I mean, the line's kind of still fairly new. There is some dog action coming in. The, some sports books opened it up a tad bit higher than minus 165, so Fajardo is getting a little bit of early action. Um, but again, it's kind of fairly a newer line, so there's not a ton of action compared to some of the other fights that we're talking about here. Still fairly early. So Torres about buck 65, comeback of Fajardo again, plus 135. Getting back into Fajardo, again, suitable replacement. 
uh, alpha male trained fighter, so you know he's going to be game training with good competition or training with good experienced vets uh, from the UFC and you know obviously the top level fighters that he can get there. Overall, he's got clean, effective striking, pushes forward, has power. His wrestling's improving all the time, offensively especially, but defensively is a concern for him at times. He does get put on his back, but he's pretty slick on his back as well. I think he's the type of fighter that can actually you know do some damage and win fights off his back and not just get uh, you know grinded out when he's there. So he, you got to be careful with Fajardo everywhere the fight takes place. He is 2-0 in Combate, so he's kind of a homegrown prospect there as well. So another guy that uh, really is doing some great things for them. So, I mean, he's a dangerous fighter and capable of winning this fight. That's why it's competitive. Torres, on the other hand, though, man, he's he's pretty good as far as film goes as well right now. I mean, what you see, you definitely love in him. He's got a complete skill set as well. Um, he's got quick boxing. Um, he darts in and out pretty fast. He's capable of putting um, his boxing and his clean striking together with wrestling, and that's what he does best. I think he's, he likes to grind people out. He has a good grappling background. He competes in grappling uh, tournaments all the time as well, so that's where it's out for him. In most cases, he likes to kind of grind out his opponents, get position, and likes to finish fights. I mean, Torres is the type of fighter that is capable of coming in here, getting takedowns, taking your back, and kind of making it look quick and easy at times as well. So, you know, I think he could grind um, in this spot Fajardo out more so than get the finish because Fajardo's an experienced kind of vet at this point as well. So this will kind of be a back-and-forth fight. I do think Fajardo is the type of fighter that's going to be the hardest fight of Torres' career, so I wouldn't be surprised if he does pull off the upset. This is another tough one for me at the betting window, because I think how it goes is Torres does get enough takedowns here along the way to kind of grind Fajardo out, but again, it's going to be the toughest fight of his life, so would I lay the chalk on Torres? Probably not. I'd probably pass at this point. I think the line's about right, um, and I'd be tempted, actually, if anything. I think the early action, again, if there's betters coming in at Fajardo, I think he is dangerous enough on the ground and on the feet to justify maybe going in his way. But I still think Torres should be a slight favorite because I think he does control the wrestling aspect of this. And if he could do that, obviously he's probably going to win the fight. So my pick is Torres to win a tough one to bet. Now sticking with the Bantamweight division, but switching over to the women's side, we have Maritza Sanchez, who is 0-1, taking on Lucero Acosta, who is 1-0. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? I open Acosta minus 165, the comeback on Sanchez at plus 125. And right now what we're seeing across the market price is Sanchez actually a slight favorite at minus 130, the comeback plus 110 on Acosta. So the line flipped early action coming in Sanchez's way. I kind of agree with it, actually, and I'm disappointed, man. That that just tells you. I'll tell you what, the early betters out there doing their homework, being prepared. I think that, that was obviously some sharp action, even though the limits are a little bit lower. I mean, those are not dumb betters coming in at early times in certain spots again i mean i think sometimes the public hype you know obviously early betters are not always right but in a situation like this i think it, it's kind of one of those fights where acosta's more public favor she's the more i think hyped prospect in this spot if you're looking at sanchez and why i'm saying that is if you're looking at sanchez on paper i mean she's five and six as an ammy oh and one as a pro she shouldn't be the public betting favor here and now she is a, the betting favorite overall so just on paper i mean if you're going to look at it i think as a matchup sanchez doesn't look like she's going to win the fight. But if you dig deeper into your homework, you can see some value at Sanchez at the plus money price. So that's what the early betters did here. They definitely did their homework, and they looked beyond the resume and record. So those of you guys that gobbled up some early money on Sanchez, I got some respect for you guys because I know you did your homework here. So I agree with you guys. That's the bad thing here for me personally because, again, I opened a cost of minus 165. The comeback plus 125 line flip. So that said – 
getting into Acosta, I do think she's a developing uh, young prospect, obviously, overall. I mean, she's coming off her first pro debut win, so that ha- feeling has to feel good about you know her overall game. She's going to have more confidence here. She's going to get better for sure. She showed some really good toughness and decent fight IQ in her debut. I mean, it, it started off not so great, but as the fight progressed, I think she actually got better. I mean, she's the type of fighter that's kind of a grinder. She can be put on her back, though. She can be... I think I've struck on the feet at times as well, but she's just, again, one of these fighters that has that true fighting spirit and is kind of learning on the fly a little bit, getting better. And again, starting off her career 1-0 and, and beat a very solid fighter. So she definitely has a lot of potential, and she's going to continue to improve her overall skill set, which she has a little bit of everything. I mean, again, I think her weakness probably overall is on the ground, and she will get outstruck at this point by better strikers. And what you're getting with Sanchez is a very improving young fighter with solid experience, especially in the amateur in her amateur career overall. I mean, and she's really starting to show some improvement despite, again, her pro debut loss, I think. I mean, you got to look beyond that. She has some length on the feet. Uh, she she has the ability to use it at times as well. And then when she's not on her back especially, I mean, she definitely can be effective. So I think on the feet here, Acosta might be a little bit stronger at times, but Sanchez is going to be the, the better striker overall and, and, again, more capable striker on the feet. And, again, most of her flaws are her getting put on her back, back Sanchez, and controlled, not grinded by her opponents. But her takedown defense is getting a little bit better. And I think she has the ability, obviously, to – win the fight by submission at times as well. Now she's getting better on the ground as well because she's been, she has that experience. She's been placed on her back so many times throughout her career. You know, she's learned to fight off her back and get back up to her feet a little bit quicker. So right now it's not as easy to handle Sanchez on the ground for sure is what I'm trying to spit out here. So Sanchez is the more complete fighter. I think Sanchez is a little bit ahead of Acosta at this point of her career. It's going to be a competitive fight. Make no mistake about it. But again, at the betting window, if you're going to bet this fight, I think it's, there's only one choice and it's Sanchez because she is the better fighter despite what, how everything looks on paper. Paper. But I wouldn't be surprised if Costa comes in here looking improved and just making this a tough fight and possibly stealing a decision on the scorecards because I do think this fight probably hits the cards. If it's going to be a finish, I think it's Sanchez maybe inside the distance, if anything. But that said, I think if it hits the cards, I think it will be a competitive 29-28 type of decision. Um, but I do see Sanchez winning this fight, whether it hits the cards or possibly inside. She's just the better fighter right now. But I think as far as ceiling goes, Acosta probably has a higher ceiling. And I think she's got some really good fights ahead of her as well. So the pick for this fight for me is Sanchez. And I think overall, again, the betting action is probably right in this fight, but it should be a good one. Now, moving on to the flyweight division, we have Paul Elizondo Jr., who is three and one, taking on Carlos Reyes, who is one and oh. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmakers perspective on this one? Open Elizondo Jr. minus 235 to come back on Carlos Reyes, plus 185. And right now, we're, we're seeing across the market price at Don Best is about minus 220, 210 for Elizondo Jr. The comeback on Reyes at plus 170 or so. So line margins have tightened up. There's some plus 175s out there on Reyes as well. Man, this is a tough fight. I mean, Reyes only being 1-0, of course. Not a lot of information on him. I mean, he's kind of the wild card here because there's not a lot of footage available on him. There's just not a lot of information on him. But what we do know of him and what I do see in him, I mean, again, he's from a region in Central America and Nicaragua where there's not a ton of talent or not a lot of awesome fighters are, are coming from that area. I mean, it's getting better for sure. I mean, through the years, I know personally because I've had a lot of experience with a lot of good um, Costa Rican MMA. I mean, especially Costa Rica in that region, I think is doing really what's excelling pretty good. But Reyes, again, so he's not going to have – a ton of, of awesome training partners. You know, there, there's not going to be, uh, again, a lot of information. He's going to be a wild card. He's only 19 years old. But what we do know of him, like I said, is he's an explosive young talent, 
Um, he is capable of finishing the fight, whether it takes place on the feet or on the ground as well. So he has finishing ability. I do like that about him. I mean, you could tell again in the limited information that we do have, um, that he does have that kind of ability. So he's got to be one of these guys that again will improve by leaps and bounds, fight by fight. And he does have that frame that you like to see. I mean, I, I think that he's going to be a little bit longer than Alessandro Jr. I think he's going to be strong here for this weight class as well. The problem is it, he's going to be a little bit unknown as far as tested. I mean, battle tested and going in deep waters where I think Elizondo Jr. is a little bit ahead of him in that aspect. So Reyes has to probably win this fight in my eyes inside the distance if he's going to get it done here. If not, he's probably going to lose as the fight progresses, either on the scorecards or he's going to get grinded out uh, or, or we're finished along the way, I should say, by Elizondo Jr. So getting it to him, Elizondo Jr. is a very well-rounded fighter. He's got wrestling and BJJ. That's, I think, his strength overall. He's, his stand-up skills okay and is improving, improving all the time. He did get outstruck in his last fight, clearly, though. So I think that's going to be his disadvantage against Reyes. Reyes is going to be the confident fighter. He's going to have to fight smart, though, and stay off his back because Elizondo Jr. is going to probably want to put him there and stay out of his submissions, obviously, and then kind of, like I said, grind him out or look for his own finish here as well. So I think the experience will be the difference here in this fight. I think if Elizondo Jr. can weather that early storm against Reyes, he will get this fight done. So I'm going to side with them. But if you're betting this fight, good luck to you. I mean, it's not a confident one for me. Again, there's a lot of unknowns here. I think Elizondo Jr. is the better fighter at this point in their careers. But again, if Reyes comes out here and just starches him or submits him, I wouldn't be shocked either. So this is a good test for both fighters. I just think Elizondo Jr. should be the rightful favorite in the spot. And I think he gets the win here. Now, dropping down to the strawweight division, we have Stephanie Frosto, who is seven and six, taking on Teresa Segala, who is four and one. Now, Nick, where did you open this fight and how has the public shifted things so far? I opened Stephanie Frosto minus 450 to come back on Teresa Segala plus 300. Right now, what we're seeing over at the Dom Best screen, Frosto about minus 400 to come back on Segala about plus 300, minus 425, plus 325 is out there. So market price about four to one. You know, I think a lot of people probably disappointed in me opening Frosto such a big favorite because if you look at this again on paper, Sigala probably has the more intriguing resume overall. Like, well, I shouldn't say more intriguing resume because Frosto's fought the by far better competition throughout her career. But again, Sigala four and one, a submission type of fighter that is pretty slick on the ground. And if, if you're going to beat Frosto, that's probably the way you're going to get it done here in this spot. So again, Sigala looks very tempting, but if you dig a little bit deeper, I mean, she's going to be undersized in this spot here. I think Frosto is going to be, even though Sigala might be a little bit taller, Frosto is going to be the stronger fighter. I think she's going to be have a serious strength advantage in this fight. I think she's going to be the more aggressive fighter overall. Sigala is going to have a lot of problems if she can't, she can't get this fight to the ground, and I don't think her wrestling is good enough to do that. So that's why I like Frosto here a ton. I think Frosto is just going to be the more established fighter, obviously, again, she's been battle-tested throughout her career, and she's coming off a very solid win in her last fight in Kabate as well. I think that was actually a much tougher fight for her, and, and you know, she came through just fine. So I, I think there's a lot of things to like about Frosto here. I think this kind of later part in her career, I think, is, is going to be really good for her. I think she's got a lot of improving and a lot of experience that, that kind of gets her to the spot mentally and physically where she wants to be, and she's going to probably win a lot more fights uh, kind of towards the end of her career than in the early part of her career, I think. So she's almost a 500 type of fighter, but I think basically on this run, I think Stephanie Frosto could do a lot of good things and she's going to finish her career on a good note, basically. And it starts kind of here, continues here, I should say, with Sagala. I think Sagala just outmatched. I mean, basically it's on the feet for me that bothers me. I think Sagala does have some decent technique as far as boxing and kicks, but there's nothing behind it, really. There's not a lot of power. I think Frosto's going to be able to walk through that and just start landing the more effective shots and, and just being the, the clearly better fighter here. So, 
I do like Frosto. I know people are betting uh, a little bit more right now on Sagala because, again, they're looking at the value. If she does get her spot on the ground, maybe she can finish Frosto. That's her path to victory for sure. Frosto does have some submission losses on her resume. She can be exploited on the ground a little bit. But, again, I think this is an improving Frosto, and I think she's going to be too much for Sagala. So my pick is Frosto, and obviously at the betting window, you kind of stay away from it. But I think it's priced about right around 4-1. to one. Um, and it's still market price, but if it drops drastically, then you might want to throw Frost on a parlay or two. I wouldn't be surprised uh, or blame you if you did that, because I think she does get the win here. Now, moving on to the co-main event of the evening in the lightweight division, we have Ivan Castillo, who is 17 and 13, taking on Danny Ramirez, who is 6 and 6. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmakers perspective on this one? Another disappointing spot for betters out there, I think, as far as the opening price goes. I opened Ramirez minus 260, the comeback on Castillo at plus 200. And right now what we're seeing over at the Donbass screen is Ramirez about 230, the comeback around plus 190 or so, plus 185 is out there for Castillo. So line marks have tightened up. There is a little bit more action on Castillo, which is kind of what I wanted here in this spot. Now, getting into the fight, though, I mean, Castillo is definitely the more well-rounded or the more experienced fighter, I should say, the more tested fighter throughout his career. I mean, if you look at his resume, he's got a pro record of 17 and three. So he's had a lot of fights against decent, solid competition throughout his career. So he's an experienced fighter. But the problem I have with Castillo is if you see the tougher fights in his career, he always kind of lets you down at times. I mean, he doesn't step up and, and get those solid wins. Now, this is a winnable fight for him against Ramirez at the same time, because he is going to be the more experienced, savvy veteran. And it's, like I said, the better competition, but he's lost five of his last six fights. I don't know, man. I mean, he's dropping back down 155 pounds from his last fight was about a buck 75. So I don't think this weight cut is going to be good for him. I think it's, it's going to st- be problematic, honestly, for him here in this spot. He's been knocked out five times in his career. I think Ramirez definitely has a lot of uh, power in his, on the feet and he's going to present a lot of problems for Castillo in this spot as well. So getting over to Ramirez a little bit more. I mean, he's a very solid underrated fighter. I know his resume is again, six and six, but he's actually fought some decent competition in his own right. He's got really good boxing and stand up. That's where it is basically in his game. I think that's his best attribute to me is it kind of using his wrestling in reverse and keeping the fight upright and, and doing some good damage along the way and not striking his opponents. He definitely has knockout power and he has capability of probably doing that against Castillo here in this spot. Um, use kind of his wrestling in reverse, keep this fight upright. And he can, I think outpoint and outstrike Castillo. So, I mean, on the feet, it is a, a bit of a concern at times as well because, I mean, defensively, I think for Ramirez, he can be hit. And if Castillo gets things rolling at times, I mean, I've seen some footage of Castillo where I think on the feet, R- Ramirez does beat him here, but Castillo gets flowing. And if you let him get some confidence, he could definitely be effective. So Ramirez has to be cautious because defensively is a concern with him on the feet at times. He gets clipped and he can be dropped. So I am worried about that because maybe Castillo does get things rolling if Ramirez kind of lets him have those openings. It could be in some serious trouble. But for me, I think Ramirez wins this fight. I just think he's the better fighter at this point. I think he is going to be the one that kind of dictates the pace of this fight, does the more effective striking, and I think he wins this fight. So another tough one at the betting window because, again, it hasn't shifted drastically. I was hoping the line would drop more, and then it would justify a better play on Ramirez. But at this point right now, if it's still hovering around minus 230 or so, probably stay away from it. But my pick is Ramirez. I think he does get it done over the veteran Castillo. Now, this brings us to the main event of the evening in the lightweight division. We have Adrian Guzman, who is six and one, taking on Alejandro Martinez, who is four and four. Now, Nick, where did you open this fight and how has the public shifted things so far? Awesome main event here. I mean, these two guys are going to throw down. It's going to, this fight's going to kind of play out 
as a true MMA fight in all scenarios, I think, here. I opened Guzman minus 170, the comeback on Martinez at plus 140. And right now what we're seeing on the Dumbass screen, market price about minus 190 for Guzman, the comeback about plus 160 on the dog Martinez here. And man, man what a fight this is going to be. Like I said, I'll tell you what, looking again on paper, looking at Martinez's record, he's four and four. He's a 500 fighter, but he's way better than his record indicates. Let me tell you that right now. Um, the problem is I know he's got, you know, three stoppage losses. He's been knocked out three times on his resume. So that doesn't bode too well for him. But in this fight, I mean, I think he definitely can present a lot of problems to Guzman. Guzman's a very solid fighter. He's improving all the time. I mean, he's six and one as a pro. So he definitely should be a favorite in this fight overall, even on paper, if you look at it. And I guess I'll start off with Guzman since he's a favorite here. Overall, he's physically strong. He's got good boxing, power, speed, accuracy. So I like what I see on the feet from him. He does push a high pace. He pushes forward, throwing uh, pretty hard with his striking ability. Defensively, the problem is he gets clipped at times. So he gets a little bit too aggressive, and he can be clipped. Uh, But he's shown a good chin overall and fast recovery. So I do like that. I mean, he's not the type of fighter that gets clipped, gets dropped, and then kind of, you know, well, at this point of his career, at least, uh, got finished by the ref. So he does recover fairly quickly, and he has that fighting spirit. So it's not going to slow him down if he does get hurt. I mean, he's still in the fight. He's still capable of coming back and doing some good things. I mean, he's shown that already. And again, his kind of short career thus far. Um, he does have his wrestling ability and takedown ability. That's, you know, in his back pocket as well. Good ground and pound once he gets on top. He's got decent jujitsu to go along with it. But again, his biggest flaw has to be, I think, his ground defense overall has to be more, and a little bit more careful on the feet. I think, again, by getting clipped and, and possibly getting pounced on the ground. And in this spot against Martinez on the feet is where he could be in problems because again, Martinez is a big, strong, lightweight. I mean, he's definitely has a lot of power on the feet. He's well versed offensively. I mean, I think his offensive game is actually better than Guzman overall. He's got nice kickboxing. He mixes things up well. Um, he has finishing ability, does have that kind of knockout power on the feet. He's got good ground awareness as well. Usually uses his wrestling in reverse to keep the fight upright to get back to his feet. And then on the feet again, he does have an advantage over most fighters because he's got that kind of accuracy and that kind of power that can really be effective. And in this particular fight, do some damage against Guzman. I mean, I think he's a more complete fighter, more well-rounded fighter at this point of his career. Um, all four of his losses, to be fair to Martinez as well, has come against really solid competition. And I think overall he's fought the better competition. So, again, you have to look kind of beyond this point and look beyond their um, current resumes or records, I should say, on paper. And I think Martinez might be the tempting side here as far as the betting window goes, especially as the line climbs up here. Again, I know Guzman should be a slight favorite and should be the rightful favorite in this spot here, but I think Martinez is probably not getting the respect it deserved. This is going to be a tough, tough fight for Guzman. If he can't control this fight and get the takedowns here, and, and the longer this fight stays upright, I think Martinez probably is the better and more effective fighter, and he's going to give Guzman all sorts of problems. So I think it's an auger pass situation. I don't agree with the early action on Guzman at this point, I think 170 was a fair public betting line overall. But again, right now, it's kind of climbing up. And if it climbs up over 2-1, to one, I think a small stab at Martinez is probably justified at this point. Um, I'm going to pick, I guess, back and forth as far as a pure pick goes, I can go. But I'm going to pick Martinez to pull off the upset. I'll go against the public green here and pick Martinez to pull it off. I know it's kind of going out there in limb, but there probably is a little bit of small value on him as well. Again, if he doesn't get clipped and get put out, I think he's going to give Guzman some problems in the wrestling department, keep this fight upright, and he is the better uh, effective striker, I think, overall. So I think he could do more damage that way. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a win. So I'll go on a small limb and pick the dog to win this fight upright. Martinez to get it done. Um, So what a fight it should be. Looking forward to this. Should be an awesome main event. Thanks for the information, Nick. So that'll do it for our full event breakdown for Combate 56 in Fresno. 
Special thanks to Betty Asai. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend. <laughs>